Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the snooze button. I need to come up with a better way of starting off every week because I think I say that every week. And so if you're listening to a couple of these in a row, which I'm sure people do because they're not that long, they're digestible. Um, you're probably sick of hearing that. Well, I'm sorry because I just did it again. So today is all about you guys and your sleep questions. I put a question box in Instagram a couple days ago asking you guys to either email podcast at Brittany Sheehan with your questions or to drop it in the question box. What I've learned is you guys really don't like making the effort to send an email, which I fully understand. Um, I had only one person actually send an email with a question and everyone else was blowing up the question box. So I picked a couple of questions, the ones that seem the most broad and hopefully will help the most people. And obviously I'm going to start with the email girl because she's now my favorite. So much effort. Also, it's like very flattering to me. So I mean, it feels like I, for my own, stroking my own ego, I'm going to start with it. So Jenna, shout out to you. So Jenna said, first of all, thanks for being the best sleep guru. Thanks, Jenna. I send your website and Insta to all my expectant friends saying you have to take these courses. Your guidance has been life and sleep saving. I am so glad. What are your thoughts on the green, yellow, red light? Is there a best age to incorporate this? My husband wants to start using one for our 15-month-old. Still in a crib, hopefully for a long time, because he points out that she doesn't know if it's 6.15, 6.30, or 7. And sometimes she starts yelling and throwing her pacifiers out of the crib, but has no idea what time it is, which he says is confusing to her. Thank you. Great question, Jenna. I get asked about those okay to wake clocks as they are called all the time. So here is my thought. First of all, from an age perspective, let's just assume somebody really wants to use one and is going to use one no matter what I say. I wouldn't be using it at, how old is she? 14, 15 months. Um, As the mom of a 13 month old, who I think is very smart, um, she does not get that. It's not like you can give it to her and say, you know, listen, if you're giving it to a four year old, right? You're like, okay, he or she is in a bed. Um, we want them to understand they have the autonomy to get out of their bed and play quietly until it's time to get up. We want to introduce it and explain what it is. When this light turns green, you may get out of bed. Sure, something like that. Still don't love it, which I'll explain why in a minute. Um, but that, you know, logically makes sense. For a baby, like as impressive as I'm sure she is, she's not impressive enough to understand when the light turns green, that means you get up. Also, if you do that with a baby that young and she does start to understand at least like when the color changes that means somebody's going to come in you better be ready to effing get in that room super fast right because then she's going to be hysterical if she knows that once it's green somebody's supposed to come in you're basically conditioning her to scream as soon as the light turns green so that's a hard no for me on doing it this young if you were going to do it at all i would say you do it when a child is old enough to understand but and i mean truthfully in there in a bed would be my thought um because then you're you're the light isn't really doing anything for them until you're coming in unless they're in a bed and then are being told this light says you can get out of bed, right? Like it doesn't really serve you until then. Here's the reason I don't love those clocks though. First of all, you guys know, because I preach it all the time, I don't love rooms being completely blacked out. So you shouldn't need a clock to explain to a child that like it's getting light outside 
because that shouldn't really matter. Um, you should be able to have a little bit of light in the room no matter what, right? So light should be peeking through. You don't want the room to be pitch black. So they will start to understand when at least it's somewhat close to waking up time by the light. But beyond that, and this is true when I'm working with a family who, whose child is really struggling with sleep, especially with early morning wakes and, and staying in their crib contently and staying in their bed, is our first goal isn't really to get them to sleep the full amount of time. That takes a little bit of time for some kids. Our goal is for them to be comfortable in their room and comfortable in their crib or bed. So I don't actually want you teaching her that seven o'clock means time to get up. I want you to teach her that when it's time for her to get up, someone is always going to come get her. And her crib is a happy, safe place where she can hang out until that time is. So I would, given that she's 15 months, if you don't already have loveys or stuffies in the crib, I would start putting them in. She can have a couple to play with, even like a little board book. Um, If she throws everything out, that's really common at this age from like the 14 to 18 month kind of range for, you know, if you put a stuffed animal in the crib, a baby will just throw it out. That's fine. She'll stop doing that eventually because she'll realize that now it's on the floor and she can't play with it. But I would be working with her on staying content in her crib. So if you have a time you had said um, 630 is the earliest we'd get her up, seven is when we usually get her up. Um, I would keep that that kind of window that you've determined. You know, this we're not going to get her up until it's at least 630. Um, and just work with her on being content in her crib. So even if she's screaming at 6.30 and you guys are, you know, finishing up your Peloton ride or you are still in bed yourself, whatever, um, you go in with a big smile when you are ready to get her up and say something like, silly goose, it wasn't time to get up yet. How are you? Let's have a good morning, blah, blah, blah. Keep a big smile on your face. Show her that you're going into the morning content and calm. Um, and she will get that. If, if you're responding, you know, the second she screams, in the morning, she's going to continue to do that, excuse me, because she expects that that means you're going to come in right away, which is not what you want it to be. So you want her to get comfortable in her room. If you haven't already, I would be making sure you're spending time in her room when it's not her bedtime routine or her nap routine um, and just sending her the message, this is a place that we are happy and safe and content. And that goes up all through the ages, right? That's, That's kind of forever. Um, I don't have an okay to wake clock for my five-year-old, right? He knows that if he wakes up early, he's he has the autonomy to do what he wants. So he gets up and he plays with his transformers or he sits at his desk. And sometimes he just sleeps. That's his choice. But he knows that when it's time for him to get up, we will come to get him. And that's different times on different days, which is one of the other reasons I hate okay to wake clocks is it forces you to set a time and then hold yourself to it. Um, I've had <laughs> I've heard stories of clients who have like, you know, during daylight savings, they've forgotten to adjust it. And they're like, and we set it for 630. And now our kids are up at 530 because we forgot to change it. Or what if like it's the weekend and you just want to sleep in a tiny bit um, or whatever, you know, I don't I don't love it for all those reasons. Um, okay, that was really long winded. But I feel like the long question deserves a long answer. Okay, moving right along. Danielle said, are growth spurts a thing that can impact sleep? If so, what can we do about them? Yes, absolutely. Um, and just to be clear, this is and the person who who wrote this, I know knows my shtick. Um, when people are talking about growth spurts, that often is what others refer to as a sleep regression. I don't refer to it as that because that's not what it is. Um, when babies and kids are growing, 
sometimes it impacts their sleep. Not always. There are some kids where it just doesn't matter. You don't notice that they're growing. I mean, obviously you notice, but you don't notice like a big skill is is emerging, coinciding with sleep disruptions. For other kids, it's pretty common. Every time they're going through a big transition, so maybe they're learning to walk, they're saying their first word, they're learning to sit up, whatever, their sleep is disrupted. If that's the case, the best thing you can do is when it comes to sleep, you're very, very, very consistent. The only time these things really upend families is when they completely throw everything that they've learned and that they've worked hard to achieve and gotten to a good sleep place out the window. And then they just kind of do whatever they want. And then they wake up you know, a month later and are like, whoa, why is he sleeping in our bed? Um, so don't do that. Stay consistent. Whatever your routine is, whatever's been working, it will work again very, very soon. It could be one night or one day, and it could be a couple of weeks in a really extreme situation, but you're staying consistent and powering through it so that you can have that good consistency on the other end. And then while your baby's awake, give them time to work on the skill. Whatever it is, you will usually know what's going on. You're like, oh, she is starting to pull up. I bet she's going to start walking any second. Or, you know, really close to rolling really working towards that milestone, give them time to work on those skills during the day. Because oftentimes when sleep is disrupted as a baby's learning a new skill, it kind of clicks back into place once that skill is mastered. So that's the best thing you can do during their awake time is give them time to work on it and helping them through it. Um, So let's go to our, oh, and I should say too, you know, I always say this guys, but have a good sleep foundation. Establish it as early as you can as early as humanly possible, get a great sleep foundation. Because when you hear horror stories of people being like, I had a perfect sleeper, and then one day everything was terrible and they never slept again. Okay, those are not kids who had a great sleep foundation and had a terrible growth spurt. Those are kids where things were precarious to begin with, right? They were rocking them to sleep. And suddenly the rocking isn't working anymore. They were shush patting them to sleep. Suddenly the baby is much more alert and is grabbing their hands when they go to do that, whatever the things are. If the baby wasn't a good independent sleeper to begin with, then growth spurts are much more likely to have a negative impact. Okay. Katie asked, thoughts on the upcoming time change? What's the best way to handle it? Um, I'm going to make this really easy for you, Katie. Nothing. I don't want you to think about daylight savings. I don't want you to stress about daylight savings. And please, for the love of God, everyone who is listening to this, do not adjust your baby's bedtime or nap time or whatever for like 12 minutes a day for 12 days, seven minutes a day for seven days. That is absolutely bonkers. The only thing you're going to do then is stress yourself out. What you're going to do is when you wake up on that new day, good news is you won't be using an okay to wake clock right? And your phone is going to automatically set to the new time. So it's just the new time. That's what you're going to do. You're going to wake up and be like, it's 730, not 630. Now, to prepare ahead of time, again, you're not doing anything specific to daylight savings, but work on a good sleep foundation. If you have a good sleeper, it's not going to matter. It's one hour. It's one hour, guys. So The only time that this becomes a problem for people is if you have a child who is perpetually waking up at 5 a.m. and you do not appreciate that, and then they suddenly wake up at 4 a.m. Yes, I agree. That's a problem. So we're going to work on them not waking up at 5.30 or 5, right? But in terms of actual daylight savings, you're not going to do anything. If anything at all, it's going to be like a one-day adjustment. 
um, I've never really experienced anything personally with daylight savings being an issue, and it's typically not for my clients either. So I want that to be your experience. So you're going to work on having a great, happy, independent sleeper, and then you're just going to roll into that November time change like it ain't no thing, and you're going to do great. Okay, Amanda asks, would you switch to a kite baby walker sleep bag for 14-month-old? Amanda, that is an absolutely not. I do not want you to do that. Um, I want you to stick with your Kite Baby regular sleep sacks. They are wonderful. The only reason you should be moving to a walker sleep sack would be if you had a child who is in a bed and they just love their sleep sack. And instead of them just having, you know, a blanket and a comforter, you still want them to have a sleep sack, which I do think makes sense in situations where you have a younger child in a bed. You guys know how I feel about beds before kids jump out of them or are three and a half to four years old, which is, I don't like them. But if, for instance, you do have a two and a half year old who jumped out of the crib um, and you have no choice, they need to go into bed, a sleep bag walker would make sense in that scenario because younger toddlers, two-year-olds, even three-year-olds, even some four-year-olds um, do sometimes have trouble keeping com- uh, comforters on themselves, sheets on themselves. Even my five-year-old, I'll sometimes go to like give him a kiss goodnight before I go to bed and all the sheets are like bunched at the bottom of his bed and I'll kind of pull them up over him and give him a big goodnight kiss. So that's the scenario in which you would use it. Definitely not for a kid in a crib and definitely not for one that young. Um, because if you do that, you're giving them a leg up on climbing out of the crib. And that is the last thing we want a 14-month-old doing or a two-year-old doing or even a newly turned three-year-old. So stick with your regular bags. All right. Jen asked, my 13-month-old sleeps from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. with one wake up. Is this good enough or can she make it for 13 hours consecutively without waking up? Great question, Jen. So I would say absolutely she can sleep through the night at 13 months that's a no-brainer um my thought would be given that she's sleeping for 13 hours overnight don't get me wrong some kids do this delaney is actually going through a phase where that's essentially her schedule sleeping all the way through and she is 13 months (gasps) amazing um because she's a little bit sick right now but for the most part most babies will go 11 to 12 hours overnight so 13 hours is on the long end Um, I don't think this is even necessarily related to the wake up. My guess is not knowing your situation, um, that the wake up is just something that's been reinforced, right? She, she, is it a she, a she or he, she, yeah. Um, you know, is waking up for whatever reason and is used to you supporting her in some way back to sleep. That's my guess. I don't actually know. Um, but either way, absolutely. She can be sleeping through the night. I would just be looking at total sleep though. So how long are the naps at 13 months? Hopefully still on two naps, about three hours of total daytime sleep. Um, and I would, you know, I would consider moving bedtime back to seven potentially. Um, and I think if you get to a place where your baby is sleeping more like 6.30 to 6.30 or 7 to 7 with no wake-ups, to me, that is a, an excellent trade-off to 13 hours with one wake-up. Okay. Last question I'm going to answer is from Raquel. She said, we're planning for an international flight. How can we get our kids to sleep, especially after they've had access to screens, which they don't typically have? Well, props to you, Raquel, for not using screens. You are better than many of us, including me. Um, So for this, I I wouldn't worry too much about the screens in general. Um, I think, yes, on a day-to-day basis, 
when we're looking at, you know, a good quality bedtime routine for kids, setting them up for success going to bed at night. No, we don't want them watching, you know, Transformers five minutes before bedtime. But in situations like an international flight, it is a little bit of a a give and a take. So like your goal on a flight that long is sanity, peace and quiet. Um, I, if I were you personally thinking about this, I would focus less on getting them to sleep and focus more and like how much they're going to sleep and more on just making it as comfortable and calm for everyone as humanly possible. Um, and for me, if I'm looking at that with my kids, that means snacks, lots of hydration. And then the good thing about flights and especially like long haul, you know, international, transcontinental, whatever, um, is they're going to dim the lights in the cabin and make it very conducive to sleep. And you kind of have that natural white noise going for you. Um, I'm not sure if you're taking a red eye or like what that's going to look like. But if you have a flight over a time period where your kids are typically sleeping, you might be pleasantly surprised that like as much energy as they have, they're probably not going to be bouncing off the walls at like 4am. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So like with everything else, work on having a solid sleep foundation, hydration, comfy clothes, change of clothes. And if you can bring some creature comforts from home as well, I believe this uh, Raquel has a newborn or a very young baby and like a two-year-old. So I would be bringing sleep sacks, swaddle blankets, right? Like things that remind the baby and the toddler of sleep and of at home. Um, I've actually put, I think he was a year and a half um, for a long evening flight across the country. I put Baker in a sleep sack um, and actually put like a crib sheet down across two. We were sitting like we had two seats um, and I kind of went to the edge of one seat. So he was on sort of like one and a half with a crib sheet and his sleep sack on, um, and he slept that way. So I would just think through making it as comfortable and as conducive to sleep as possible, um, but don't obsess over how much sleep they actually get because planes are hard. You might luck out and have one kid who sleeps really well and the other who's awake a lot, um, but that's okay. You just don't want them screaming. So focus on no screaming. And once you get to your destination, you are immediately on the new time zone, power through, and have a wonderful, wonderful trip. Okay, I hope this was fun, sassy, informative, fabulous. I hope you guys have a great week. Next week, if all goes according to plan and I figure out how to do the remote recording, we're going to have a very special guest. Um, You may know her from Instagram. It's called Feeding Our Toddlers. She's amazing. She will be joining me to answer your questions and discussing one of the most common topics I'm asked about. So I figured I'm going to bring in another expert who's really a food expert um, about starting solids and food for babies. Okay. Love you guys. See you next week. It's going to be a good one. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep.